0: Oh man, am I feeling good this week coming off that big win over the Texas Longhorns. Welcome into. Please Bear With Me. I'm your host, Travis Corley, and it is officially Movember, so I got the mustache going, and it's going to be there for the rest of the year, excuse me, the rest of the month, may it be there for the rest of the year. We'll see how the wifey feels about that one. But guys, Texas fans are having a meltdown, and I am here for it. It has been amazing, and it's not stopping anytime soon. They have not lost three straight games since the Charlie Strong era. We are gonna recap that Texas game, then we are going to talk to former Baylor offensive lineman and barbecue aficionado, Blake Blackmar. So let's get into it. Please bear with me. I am starting out this week's episode with another double horns down because your Baylor Bears defeated the Longhorns this past weekend 31 to 24, and it is always a little bit more special to beat the Texas Longhorns. I started last week with the double horns down, so it's only fair that I put the other book end on this week and starting with a double. Another double horns down. Before we talk to Blake here in a couple minutes, before we get to that Texas recap, TCU coming up this weekend, some very, very big news. Gary Patterson has been relieved of his duties after 20 years with the team. He is deucing out. And TCU asked if he would coach out the year, and he said, nah. No thanks, fam. Not interested. So he's out. They've got an interim head coach. And my level of anxiety about not having the same coaching staff next year is now at an all time high. Rumors are flying everywhere. We've got people on our staff that are highly touted names in this industry, especially after what we've been through this year turning this whole thing around we're number 14 in the country seven and one it just it, an unbelievable turnaround and i've seen rumors i've seen jeff grimes name thrown out there i've seen joey mcguire's name thrown out there as possible options for tcu but look if these other head coaches at these smaller type schools are going to move on to say the tech job or the TCU job that does open up uh, these lower level schools for maybe Grimes or maybe Maguire to uh, move on to a head coaching position here at a uh, at a smaller school. So we'll see what happens. um <sighs> Certainly don't want to lose anyone, but hey, I, I I love our coaching staff and. I want all of them to succeed and to reach, you know, their goals and reach their dreams. And if that's becoming a head coach and they move on to that, then I am so happy for them and I will continue to support them. Yes, you heard it. Even if Grimes or McGuire goes to TCU, I will definitely hold that special place in my heart for them. Not going to cheer for TCU, okay, but I still will. You know, I got a, got a special place in my heart there for Grimes, for, for Maguire, and this really this whole coaching staff. So, like I said, we will see what happens. But Gary Patterson, what made this rivalry so special to I think a lot of Baylor fans and to me was just beating Gary Patterson, seeing him on the sidelines, giving him a hard time. I mean, that is so fun to do. So fun to do. And We're not going to be able to do it anymore. I was hoping, hoping that we were going to be the final nail in that coffin. But you know what? I think Gary was a little bit scared to go play the Baylor Bears. And maybe he didn't want to end his career with a loss to the Baylor Bears. Just saying. Just saying. Moving over to this Texas recap, I mean, what a week leading into this game. Just some amazing content out there coming from Texas fans, coming from the official Texas Twitter account, really juicing up our fan base. I mean, first... I forget his name. But we had the, had the Texas player saying he ranked McLean Stadium a three out of ten atmosphere, and he tried to walk it back. But you know what? I heard the audio, and I know what he said. So that was reported, and then he tried to walk it back, and that just created some drama to start the week on the uh, on Texas side, while absolutely juicing up our fans at McLean, getting us ready for that game. Then we had burnt orange nation account coming out and saying stuff along the lines of you know baylor's only relevant because we're right next to 35 baylor's campus is ugly the only thing good about baylor is there's a fazoli's right next to campus okay well first off ut hey guess what you're right next to i-35 as well and secondly if baylor's campus is ugly that makes ut a dumpster because those gray buildings are ugly and they've got stains on them and you just, you can't tell where the campus starts and where it ends and, ooh, man, if you're calling Baylor's campus ugly, ooh, man, what does that make you? And lastly, Fazoli's, really, you're gonna hate on Fazoli's? Fazoli's is a national treasure and I will not hear Fazoli slander. The Tuesday, Thursday deals, Uh, what a better deal for a college student, man? What a better deal for anybody? I love the Tuesday trio. And Eric Mateos, oh man, we don't see a lot of Baylor coaches coming out and, uh, you know, taking little jabs at our opponents. But Eric Mateos tweeted out, this is what he said, "That that was gritty, going to celebrate at Fazoli's, oh my goodness, I love it. I love it. Taking a little jab at the Texas fan base Eric Mateos. We love you. Never change. Never change. The last little drama we had come up was uh, actually from the official Baylor, excuse me, official Texas Twitter account. Photoshopped a picture of a Longhorn mascot head on Ranger Smith's head. That's Ranger Smith from Yogi Bear and Yogi Bear and Boo Boo are sitting there with a picnic picnic basket and for some reason i think they thought it was like oh yeah we're i don't know the rangers better than, than the bears and it was comical because we all know in pretty much every single episode the bears get the better of ranger smith so i mean foreshadowing foreshadowing your own loss it does not get better than that it does not get better than that Okay, let's talk some actual football now. Bears win 31-24. That first half was not great offensively, and it really came down to Gary Bohannon through two interceptions. And these were pretty bad, trying to fit the ball into places that he couldn't and shouldn't. And Aranda even mentioned after the game, he was trying to be too perfect in that first half. And watching the game again, I think he's exactly right. I mean, hit the nail on the head, I think Gary was just trying to do a little bit too much. I mean, easily his worst game of the season. Yes, I think he played worse than, than what he did at Oklahoma State. And, and he really turned it around in that second half. I think he played more within himself, quit trying to uh, fit it in tight windows. And I'm sure that Grimes uh, had some things to say to him and also maybe uh, called some different, different plays that made him feel a little bit more comfortable. And I mean, second half offense is what we are used to seeing from this Baylor team this year. A 9-play, 75-yard drive, touchdown drive. A 14-play, 80-yard touchdown drive. And then a 3-play, 53-yard touchdown drive. And defensively, you, you can't fault our, our, our defense for that first Texas touchdown. I mean, it was coming off of an interception from Gary. Uh, it, Texas started at our own 31-yard line. We knew we were going to come in and commit to stopping the run with Bijan. And so we had Christian Morgan at the safety position come down on that uh, red zone on the touchdown pass. He came down because obviously we're gonna try to stop Bijan, let the receivers and Casey Thompson beat us. Tejada was one on one. He got beat on a slant in the end zone, and it was a touchdown. And giving up too many big plays. That was, I think, what I feared, and what I think most people feared coming into this game of what would beat us is Texas' explosive. Plays, and the second touchdown for them was one of those explosive plays—a a 63-yard 63, a 63 pass. We were in a one-high safety look, cover one, and also in press coverage. I'm not sure why we were in press coverage, but you have to credit Sark there for a great play call, bringing Xavier Worthy uh, in motion in the slot, and and lined him up one-on-one with I think it was McVeigh. And hey, Z- Worthy has been their best receiver this year he got free he got open and hey 63 yard touchdown pass credit them but we did come up with two turnovers at key moments we forced a fumble when they were I mean either in the in the red zone I mean right outside that red zone in scoring position JT Woods comes up with an interception before half I mean that that was huge huge because that position that Texas was in you would think at least they were going to get three points and then get the ball back to start the third quarter. Um, So really kind of steal a possession from us. So just an absolutely huge interception for the defense and very fortunate at that point to go into the half down 14 to 10. And like I said, like the, the big plays of beating us, that is how Texas has scored this season. A lot of their scores and a lot of their success has come on 20 plus yard So outside of that first touchdown drive and outside of that 63 yard pass, this was the rest of their drives for the game. Three plays minus nine yards, six plays, 23 yards, six plays, 32 yards, four plays, 30 yards, three plays, five yards. They did have a nice 14-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, so credit them for that coming out of the half, going up 21-10, to at which point I was not feeling very confident. Okay, but we made them earn it on that drive. So credit Texas. That was a nice drive by them. Made me pretty nervous. But to finish the game, four plays, 21 yards, eight plays, 28 yards, 10 plays, 66 yards, and then four plays, zero yards. So outside of those... Uh, touchdown drives in the first half the rest of the game they averaged 27.1 yards per drive okay so when we don't give up the big play against texas they struggle and we see that 27.1 yards per drive outside of those two touchdown drives Let's talk a few key plays. I mean, our first touchdown drive ran a little Philly special, and man, our goal line package is awesome. I just have no idea what's going to happen when we get down within that 10-yard line. Thornton comes on a reverse, and he's looking to throw to Bohannon, but Bohannon is covered, and I'm kind of freaking out because every time you have someone that's not a quarterback back there throwing it they always want to force it they always want to like oh my gosh I find I get a chance to throw a pass like I've got to throw it I've got to throw it so it was pretty nervous when I saw Bohannon was covered but Thornton played quarterback in high school so he checks to his second option yes our wide receiver at quarterback checked to his second option in RJ Sneed and he was wide open for the touchdown The interception before half was a key play. already talked about that one above. Just a crucial, crucial interception and a key drive for us. This isn't a key play. This is a key drive. Our first offensive drive in the second half. Nine plays, 75 yards. Gary came out with confidence, which was good to see. And when he threw his first interception there against BYU, he turned it around. He didn't let it affect him. He did the same thing this year, and he threw two interceptions in the first half. So he came out that drive, two 23-yard completions, a 14-yard completion. He capped it off with a six-yard touchdown run. And I really think he settled in after that drive. It made it 21-17. Again, with our goal line package. I mean, we gave Ben Sims a rushing touchdown. We handed the ball off to a tight end on a jet sweep. That is something you don't see a lot. Love how Grimes is getting the tight end involved in any way that he can in any way that he can and there he, we do a handoff on a jet sweep the fourth and 11 fake punt from texas oh my goodness what are you thinking what are you thinking and post game we find out from sarkisian it was an option an option for dicker wow why are you putting the game in the hands of your punter To make a run pass option. I don't get it. I think it's an awful call. Awful, awful call. And so Dicker decides to try and run it for himself. We are right there for the stop. He is going nowhere at this point. 24-21 Baylor momentum all on our side. Abram Smith, 32-yard touchdown run was insane. Insane. Abram makes the jump cut. Spins off the Texas defender, and he was gone. Most impressive run of the season by far. Put us up 31-21, and then we win the game, forcing those four straight incompletions, and a great play by Kalen Barnes. I I think it was Kalen. Yeah, Kalen Barnes, yeah. Made the play at the end of the game. Batted the ball down. Pass defended. Your Bears win let's hit these bare necessities that I had for the game. It was limit Bijan. And I even said, I even went a little bit further before the game. And I said, was more specific. If we hold him under 150 all purpose yards, we win. He ended the game with 47 all purpose yards, 17 rushes, 43 yards and a touchdown, one catch and four yards averaged 2.5 yards per rush. That is insane that we did that well against Bijan. I thought he was going to get his, at least get 100 all-purpose yards. But man, to hold him under 50, amazing job by that defense. And then my other thing was Abram Smith over 25 carries. And look, he didn't need 25. He didn't. He only needed 20. So he got 20 carries, 113 yards, and a touchdown. And he also had two catches for 33 yards. So a very solid game from Abram. And a great job on the bare Necessities. A couple of fun facts the, for, for this Baylor team. Last three games, Baylor rushing defense against running backs. West Virginia, Brown, he came in averaging 75.6 yards per game. We held him to 44 yards. BYU's Algier, 107 yards per game coming into the Baylor game held him to 33 yards. And then UT, Bijan came in averaging 132 rushing yards per game, and we held him to 43. Again, an excellent job by that Baylor rush defense. And then I want to point David K. At David K9, thank you for this little graphic and stat. Teams facing the Baylor defense this year are scoring, on average, 10.3 fewer points than all of their other games. I love our defense. And these last two weeks, I mean, get this. The, we've had a linebacker score a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown in the same game. We have handed the ball off to a tight end on a jet sweep for a touchdown. We have had a wide receiver throw a touchdown in which he checked to his second receiver. And then we have a wide receiver get a punt block in RJ Sneed. I mean, what is happening? I, I, I don't know what's going to happen week in and week out, but I am excited. And a few individual performances. I just mentioned him. RJ Sneed had a heck of a game. Eight catches, 94 yards, and a touchdown. He also had a crucial fourth down conversion there in the second half. He had the blocked punt, tipped punt, whatever you want to call it. He got a hand on it. His best game of the year by far. Apu, 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 Yep, Apu is starting to dominate. One sack his third of the year. He's top 10 in sacks in the Big 12. Also had a tackle for loss. And we got another dance from Apu this week. What dance is he going to do next? Who knows? But I know Apu is out there. Loving his time on the field loving his time at Baylor and I love to see it He is a high-energy guy and I love watching this guy play This week's oh-so-good player of the game I am handing it to a defensive player because they just played their tails off and adding to his big 12 defensive player of the year campaign is Jalen Petrie the one who stayed he didn't jump off the page with tackles but he added one sack one tackle for loss a forced fumble which by the way saved a touchdown to a wide open slot receiver he blows up Bijan Robinson reaches over gets his hand in there forces the fumble on Thompson, and saves the touchdown, Jalen Petrie, your oh-so-good player of the game. And now the moment we have all been waiting for. Please welcome Blake Blackmar. And now we welcome Blake Blackmar, former Baylor offensive lineman. Blake, how you
1: feeling? good man especially after this last weekend
0: heck yes always feeling good after a win over those longhorns and before we get into that game you are a barbecue aficionado so i've got to know what did you cook this past weekend and did you like how it turned out
1: yeah so uh with the with an 11 a.m. start time no one ever want, no one wanted to see ut lose on prime time so I figured no one wanted to do a full pig pull in at nine o'clock in the morning. (laughs) So I did, uh, I went and got a whole bunch of beef barbacoa, uh, and a pork butt. And I basically did carnitas and, uh, barbacoa. I got to the tailgate at like 10 30 on Friday night. just sat out there smoking and having a good time. Uh, by the time everyone showed up at Saturday morning, it was ready, shredded it apart. I braised it. I smoked it, braised it pulled it made uh made tacos i made a homemade uh red sauce and a uh, avocado cream sauce and it was it was pretty jam up oh man so
0: you're not you're not just doing meats you're doing sauces too
1: then. oh yeah yeah full service we did we also had like a corn like a mexican street corn side (sighs) deal
0: speaking my language now man and though i i did see some photos of those let's see 10 hour smoked Beef barbacoa braised tacos—they oh, yeah. looked amazing. Break down that taco for me real quick.
1: Yeah, so HEB fresh flour tortilla, uh, war- warmed in the smoker. You got a bed of the bed of barbacoa, hand hand picked and pulled uh, pulled out all the any extraneous fat and gristle, uh, so you're dealing with just meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, laid that down. And then I had a basically some fresh uh, red onion cilantro and then that cream sauce. Uh, and that's how I eat my tacos. We had some lime and gotilla and stuff like that. but that was all just accoutrement for mm. whoever whoever wanted to add build their own.
0: Yeah yeah mm, make, making me hungry, making me ready for dinner. Uh, well hey I know I know it's two weeks away now here in, until OU, but uh, what you got up your sleeve for OU you gonna try to do that pig?
1: Yeah, that's the plan. I'm gonna call and try call the butcher and try and get one ordered. Uh, Probably name it Boomer or something, and (laughs) throw it in the pit.
0: Nice, nice. Um, And now I do have a question from Scotty, or rather, two questions from Scotty before we move on here. What is the best wood for smoking a brisket?
1: Um, my preferred is post oak. It burns evenly. It has a very you know subtle Central Texas classic flavor. Uh, pecan would probably be my second. Uh, and I just, the reason I just don't cook with as much pecan is because it's harder to get for me. Yeah. But, uh, pe- okay. you know, post Oak is classic central Texas, and that's kind of my go-to. It's that's also how
0: nice. And now Scotty wants to know if he would have an opportunity to maybe come out there with you
1: one morning and learn a few tips and tricks from you. Is that, is that doable for Scotty? Of course. Any, anyone who wants to come out and hang out while I'm cooking, is more than welcome because the tailgate's great and I have a lot of fun. We have a bunch of people that come, but, uh, you know, majority of that tailgate is just me, (laughs) Uh, you know, because the food I'm cooking usually has a pretty significant lead time. So. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. So,
0: but Hey, it sounds like you've got something very nice up your sleeve there for the OU game. sounds like you're going to have a full pig. So, Hey, if you're, if you're going to be tailgating for that OU game, you got to find your way over to Blake's tailgate and help him out and help him out, uh, eating that pig. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about offensive line play and, and now you Blake 38 career starts, 37 straight starts, consecutive, mainly at guard. And that offensive line, man, it gets beat up every game, gets beat up every game. Did you feel pretty fortunate to stay healthy for that long?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I was uh, definitely only had one minor surgery during my entire playing career. And it was something that was already torn before I got to college. So it wasn't, I was uh, pretty, pretty blessed to make it through without any serious bumps and bruises. Don't have a ton of, Crazy aches to this day. I know a bunch of guys mm. who can't say as much.
0: Yeah, yeah. No kidding. No kidding. That is that is good to hear. And this offensive line, I mean, they they it, it was not good last year. Okay. Um right. And and th- those guys aren't stupid. They 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 heard the noise. I at least I think they did, you know. And how much of a motivation do you think that was for them this year, or do you think that affected them at all?
1: Um, I know it definitely you know, you try not to read, read any of that kind of press or look at it, but you always see it. People, it always gets brought up mm-hmm. and it kind of, I think most guys just kind of ignore it, but, you know, ignore it on the face, but it it does kind of eat at you and you internalize it during that offseason season program. And so more tons of props to these guys for, cause I know specifically, you know, the guys I know personally, they're great players, you know, and they, you know, your Connor gallons, X Newmans, Khalil keys, those, you know, all these guys that from when I was playing, they're really good players. They're talented. They know how to work. And I think, you know, especially last year, a lot of it may have just been the cohesion of playing as a solid offensive unit, you know? So it was, it was just kind of, I'm glad that everything is definitely ironed out and this is the best, you know, Baylor offensive line has looked arguably ever.
0: Yeah, I mean they're looking really good and I think a lot of people were had that question of like is it a talent is it a coaching and I think we've seen it was not a talent at a talent disparity uh, disparity at all. And you mentioned it and and that kind of leads me into my next question. How important is it to get reps together as an offensive line compared to other positions on the field?
1: Oh, I mean it's incredible because there's very few position, you know, there's very few positions where you can't just be a better athlete than the other guy and succeed, you know, Mm -hmm. that always helps. But if you're playing receiver running back and you're just that much faster, that much quicker, that much stronger, then you can, you can make up for it, but you can be, you know, some of the best athletes don't hardly hardly get any playing time on the offensive line because you can't depend on them to either know their assignment the whole time, or, you know, you just don't have the feel for, when you're going to need to bump off a trade, you have to get so much chemistry built between the guys on the left and right of you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. And that, that, that offensive line turnaround last year to this year has just been, it's, it's unprecedented, man. I mean, from 90 rushing yards a game gave, given up 31 sacks last year, and now we're averaging 237 rushing yards per game. First in the big 12, we've only given up six sacks. Like, Less than one sack per game—that's—that's that's unbelievable. What would you say is the biggest factor in this this offensive line turnaround?
1: So I think a huge a huge aspect of it is just the mentality that you've got Mateos and uh, the new OC bringing. You know, they're it's very, you know, it's gritty. It's we're going to put our hard hat on and go to work. We're going to run the ball, and it's it's focused on punishing the defensive unit on the field more than trying to slip something by them or be tricky and I love that and so you have that kind of mentality you've got the maturity from Connor Galvin x Newman even guys like Khalil who was a little bit of a knucklehead when I was there a (laughs) lot younger and now he's just absolutely mauling people oh man uh, at right tackle whenever you know it's just and you have that ability to rotate guys in and not miss much of a step which is even better because now because the defense does defensive line does it You know, you won't – unless you're running high-tempo offense all the time, the defensive line is going to rotate someone in every three or four plays. Yeah. So, it's it's great if you can rotate in a fresh offensive lineman that just – you know, especially if you're just running that road grader style of offense. Right. Right. It really brings a smile to my face.
0: (laughs) And now you mentioned – it's it's good to have depth there, and you mentioned Khalil Keith, and he's been splitting time there with with Gavin Byers at right tackle. And I I've been a huge believer in Keith there at right tackle. Why why would you say we're still shuffling in those two guys? Just just is it just keep them fresh or?
1: uh I would you know I don't I don't know. In my experience, when you're rotating a guy in, it's it's either to keep someone fresh, or it's because you can, and there's not a significant you know, one guy might be a great, great run blocker, one guy, but you can't depend on him for uh, as well as much for isolation pass blocking, or maybe, mm. you know, one guy just needs like, you know, if you're running, going to run a script of plays, that guy is great for just running that script of plays and crushing it. Whereas if you have to audible a whole bunch, change the call, you might confuse a younger guy, you know, there's just mm. little Makes things, sense. little intuitive things like that. And if it's working, you know, I, I don't see a point, you know, because they're both they're both been playing playing well. For sure. So there's no there's no reason to not try and get as much PT spread around as you can, especially because there, there's one thing to get PT in games where you, you've blown out the guy. Right. Right, so that's right, when you're right, your right. Second team unit. If you can get solid playing time in these high pressure moments and the coach feels good about it, that's all the better for when you are the guy.
0: Yeah. For sure. I think I think that's made a huge difference being able to shuffle those two guys in because it seems like there's not much of a drop off either way. And I think both guys have their advantages and, and disadvantages. And now right. we have we, we have moved to a zone blocking scheme. And I mm. tried to explain to I'm not I don't know football X's and O's. OK, so I tried to explain to people here at the beginning year of the year a little bit of the differences between the two. But what would you say is kind of the main difference between that man blocking scheme and a zone blocking scheme?
1: Yeah, so, you know, most offenses are going to have aspects of each. You know, very, very rarely do you just kind of isolate in the solely one or the other. And specifically, we're running more of an outside zone philosophy uh, or a wide zone, mm-hmm. whereas when we were playing in the past, it was there was a lot of RPO inside zone type stuff. Okay. Um, and so, the you know, if, if we're running a zone blocking scheme, you just say generic zone right. The whole offensive line is basically responsible for the gap to the right and working up through the defensive lineman to a linebacker. And if maybe that frontside linebacker, they're running a blitz and he's going backside and the safety's coming down to cover his gap, you're just going to pick up – you're just picking up whoever's in that spot. Yeah. You're not chasing – you're not chasing the guy back. And for the running back, you know, it might be the, – the play might be supposed to hit between the guard tackle and the B gap, right? Front side B gap. Uh, So that might be where it's supposed to hit, but as you're running behind the offensive line, kind of everyone's flowing right. majority of the time there's going to be lots of cutback lanes. There's lots of options for the running back to fit in behind, maybe in the backside A gap. Uh, Mm. So it's, there's lots of times when you have a play called front side, the running back can be patient, see it, stick their foot in the ground, and get a vertical on the backside because the whole, you know, offense and defensive line is flowing to the right. Yeah. One of the, and what, what I think is really interesting is running this kind of like outside zone scheme. Whereas in the past we were doing a whole lot of RPO inside zone stuff. So you're not blocking the end man on the backside of the line of scrimmage. Right. Right. So if it's like zone, right. Play supposed to hit in the A or B gap on the front side. You're not blocking that lat, that defensive end because you're reading him and like West Virginia used to do this this to us all the time. They ran a three, three stack, three down linemen, three linebackers. They would just slant their defensive linemen. TCU did this too. Sometimes they'd slant their defensive linemen and kind of just try to make it as muddy as possible to try to get those. And basically those defensive linemen are causing your offensive linemen to overreach. And then the linebackers fill in backside Yeah, and it makes it really hard for the offensive linemen to get off on their correct linebacker. And so then you have the running back who then sees the line, everyone's slanting to the hole. He's supposed to go. He cuts back in the two linebackers and you get like a, you know, one yard gain, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of a common defense mechanism against this with this wide zone or outside zone scheme. You see Abram and Treston getting a lot of time to kind of follow the line out and then stick their foot in the ground. And they're yeah. forcing those linebackers to come with the D line, even if they are slanting. So Mm. I know that was kind of a lot of, that was a lot of influence. No, that's a great breakdown.
0: That's a great breakdown.
1: Man blocking scheme. The easiest way I can describe it is to think of like your classic, like goal line or heavy package where you have tight ends in, right? Mm -hmm. You've got a, you know, you're going to have a triple with the tackle and tight end. You're going to have a single with the guard center. You're going to have a, you know, backside B block, deuce block, whatever you want to call it with a guard and tackle. And then that tight end is going to try and cut off the end. And you all, everyone has like, it's a double team to the linebacker directly ahead. If he goes over the top, you're trading and the tack, the tight end might come off. If he fills in the gap, the tackle's coming off. It's very, uh, it's very kind of vertical. So you're just trying to blow those guys off the ball and then pick up, you know, you want the basically put the defensive lineman in the linebacker's lap. And so it's very physical and it's very, it's like classic football, you know, slobber, knock them, blow them off the ball, all that kind of stuff. and push,
0: Pushing them yeah. back as opposed to sideways.
1: Yeah. And it's, I th- you know, it's kind of like, I think it's what everyone pretty much learns in peewee football and everything. And, uh, you know, it's very, it's classic. There's always a place for it. Everyone always has those types of plays in. But I think in, in today's offense, you know, the scheme is much broader. You can kind of pick and pull the benefits of both things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And now when you watch, when you watch this offensive line play this year, it just looks like, it just looks like they're having fun out there, having fun hitting people. Are you, when you see that, are you just chomping at the bits to get out there?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime <laughs> when you're running the ball for that many yards, it's, it's awesome. You know, that's, yeah. that's what you want to do. It's like, I remember in practice, I hated running the ball in practice. All you do is, <laughs> all you do is beat up your own guys and get tired. Yeah. Yeah. But when you play in the game, like when we played Vanderbilt and ran for a bunch of yards or when we yeah. played North Carolina, I ran for like 700 yards. Yeah. there's No better feeling because you can feel the defense because you know, you get the tee off on the defense and you can feel their will breaking. Oh, man. And so it's, there's no better feeling as an offensive lineman. And I've, oh, man, I've been texting Connor and stuff, you know, cause we, we keep up. And yeah, I, he just sends me, he just sends me three or four plays every week of just, just hilarious pancake blocks or that, you know, just, just offensive line stuff. And it's great. You know, it's, it really, uh, I enjoyed, I loved my time at Baylor, wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I uh, sure. loved all the coaches I had, but damn, like, this scheme just looks so fun to be a part of.
0: Yeah, it's, man, it it sure does to me. And I, shoot, I didn't even play football. So Um, now I do want to talk, let's get into this Texas game here. I mean, there was just a ton of stuff on social media leading up to this game. We had the Texas player, you know, saying McLean's a three out of 10. We had that drama. We had burn orange nation coming in here saying we got an ugly campus talking crap about Fazoli's. (laughs) You know, we had the Yogi Bear tweet from the Texas football account. Um, is that bulletin board material for these guys? Do they
1: notice those things as well? I think guys notice it, but uh, it's pretty. Uh, it's all. It's kind of you know understood that you're you're not going to be the one to bring it up. You're yeah. gonna wait. You're gonna wait for someone like Coach McGuire, or some, some you know someone on the team who's like a firebrand who's going to get you fired up for them to say something about it. And I don't think any of the, I don't think any of the stuff that they said, except maybe the McLean being a three out of 10 thing that might've got a mention, but the other stuff is just kind of whatever, you know? Yeah. Just
0: whatever. I got you.
1: But you you know, players see it and it pisses them off, but no one, no one brings it up uh, because you don't want to make a, you know, the focus is to be on playing the game. And if you don't, if you need little cheeky things like that to get fired up, then, you need to reevaluate you know why you're here and you know all that yeah. you know you can get into all the that stuff
0: right right yeah, yeah. and especially against texas man especially against texas right um were, were you nervous worried anything at, at any point in this game
1: uh not really i kind of had a uh again i i'd been up for like 30 something hours at this point <laughs> by the time the by the game by the time the game rolled around so i was uh I was pretty, uh, just was watching the game, having a good time. Cause I, I stay out at the tailgate and watch most okay. of the games. Yeah. Um, it's too weird to go back into the stadium for me most of the time, but, uh, stay out, just drinking a beer, watching the game and just kind of the way we were running the ball, the way we were playing such good run defense. I just kind of, those things may not, you know, they may not get you an early lead, but you're going to feel it in the fourth quarter. And you know, Texas has had a quite the reputation this year of pissing things away in the fourth quarter anyway. So. Oh yeah. There was, there was always that.
0: Which they did again against us <laughs> and it was so good to see. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, it, like you said, it, it was a little bit of a tail of two halves, you know, necessarily doesn't get you that early lead, which it didn't. We were down 14, 14, 10 at half. Did you feel fortunate that we were only down four?
1: Uh, you know, there's, football games really come down to like five to six plays, right? Even, even games where you're getting blown out by 40 points, you can break that game down to five or six turning point plays and just say, if the football goes our way, this is a totally different story. Yeah. And so just the way, the way we were playing, the way the ball bounced, you know, it just kind of, I'm not that, I, I don't think I was that concerned because I think that we're a great second half team. Uh, we're, I think we're really good at making those adjustments and staying within the framework of how we're going to play offense and defense. Mm. We're not reinventing the wheel at halftime. We're almost never in a situation where we need to make huge adjustments. It's just dial in the execution and, you know, it's, you keep piling those body blows on guys, someone, you know, eventually you're going to, you're going to break one, break things through, you know, get some long runs. You're going to catch some breaks and, I think that's that's kind of been the story of us most of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head because even Aranda came out and had a little Berenstein Bears, um,
1: yeah, comparison yeah.
0: of you know old, old hat, hat, new hat, new hat, yeah, yeah, and you're just like, you know what, we just went back to our old hat, put it on, and 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 dominated that second half. Um, okay, and the, the fourth and eleven fake punt. I mean, <laughs> what were they thinking? What were they
1: thinking? Um. You know I couldn't tell you but i I'm sure glad they were thinking whatever they were doing right? you know right? I think uh you know I haven't I haven't sat there and watched all the special teams film of us this year but yeah I don't maybe we were giving them I'm sure it was I'm sure it was an audible play it, you know they go out there with if they give you this look we feel confident that we can that we can surprise them or sneak one through if they right. don't the ball. I'm sure yeah. that's what it because that's what those all those types of plays are. Okay, and I couldn't help but um, I was you know sitting at the tailgate and I remember they I, I ran that play and it just brought me back to I can't even remember the year but Spencer Roth was yes! our runner and yes! I was pretty sure it was UT and he it was yeah he rattled off like a thirty something yard run and instead of running out of bounds he was so hyped up that he like trucked somebody. And then he ended up like missing the next game because he like broke a rib or something, but was too, too proud to tell anyone.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. But like that uh,
1: was uncalled. He just went to punt and realized that no everyone one was there.
0: just, everyone dipped. Oh man. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I, don't, I just, as a head coach, not sure if I would put the game in my punter's hand to decide to run it or throw it, but uh, <laughs>
1: Hey, that's just me. Um, You know, I think at that point you, you, I think that's probably a coaching call of uh, a momentum. You know, you mm. feel like you feel like you've got to get something going right here, and i I would pro- I would credit that that kind of in the moment feeling of like it's almost like a panic of like we've got to get some momentum, time's running out, yada yada yada. Yeah. I would give that credit to the McLean Stadium atmosphere and the three out hey, of ten atmosphere. You know, hey. putting the pressure on. Yeah, yeah, man, I, I love that.
0: What is uh? what does it mean just as a former player to be, is it a little bit more special to be Texas just a little bit more?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, my, my pops played at UT in the eighties. I Oh, grew I up a, oh yeah. I, and I live in Austin now. So I, uh, you know, grew up a huge Texas fan. Uh, and so no game meant more to me than playing UT when I was at Baylor. And
0: awesome. yeah,
1: I remember the, we had the one, I think it was, it was 16. I think when we, Uh, I got called for a holding in the, with my foot in the end zone and we ended up losing the game by two because that was a safety Mm. because Texas screwed, we were running, we were like on the one yard line and Texas screwed up the blitz and they brought two guys in the B gap. So I was blocking down on the nose tackle or the defensive lineman waiting for the tackle to pick up the other, uh, the linebacker that was blitzing because I had hand on him too. And he kind of ne- he never came because they brought a second linebacker which he had picked up. So I was like, "Well, Seth's either going <laughs> to die or I'm going to hold." <laughs> and then we ended my foot was in the end zone it was a man. safety and we lost the game by two. So that just my inches. neck crushed me. And my then inches, the next man. home game at UT, I think we it was when we lost on the last drive of the game, and I was I was pretty uh, pretty upset. And I was uh, that was a. Oh, the UT game is always emotional for me. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm, it really makes me smile. It warms my heart to see them go back to Austin with the L.
0: Yeah, yes, for sure. Same, same. I know, and I'm sure all the Baylor fans feel the same way. Um, let's transition here to this game this weekend, another rivalry game coming up with the TCU Horn Frogs. What was it like for you playing against a Gary Patterson defense? Or just um, Gary, or just Gary himself. Him, him being you know, on that opposite
1: sideline. So my freshman year was like sixty-one, fifty-eight, right? Craziest game I've ever been a part of. Tons of oh, fun. Yeah. The next year was that like triple overtime, twenty-degree weather, like sleeting. There's like maybe four thousand people in the stands, <laughs> and you still can't hear the play because they're pumping in so much crowd noise. Oh my gosh! Which is illegal. Hey, but, uh, so we we're, you know, and I remember I was a second string on that year and the center Kyle Fuller got a stinger. So I went in for like three plays, uh, pretty early and the first play, just like totally uh, crushed pancake. there like all big 12 defensive linemen. Oh, that's great. And that's really? kind of after that was, that's kind of how I would equate my experience playing UT, especially like with their D line. Cause they've always had highly rated defensive linemen Yep, and I just remember not being, impressed with it because of their scheme with our offenses with that RPO stuff was just kind of run and then flow the linebackers back over the top. And so it's just, it was never hard to block the defensive linemen. It was hard to get off to the linebackers. Mm. And I just felt like, you know, it was, it was a frustrating defense because you, you know, we weren't just lining up and pounding them and punishing them because they are typically more undersized. They like to run with, smaller middle linebacker, interior linebackers. Uh, And so that aspect was frustrating, but it was never like a, you know, a shock and awe type thing. It was just, it was just annoying, which is how I would describe everything about TCU.
0: (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. Um, That TCU defense now is, it has not been great. They're allowing over 200 yards rushing a game as an offensive lineman coming into a game where, you know, that rush defense is just, not very good is that do you get a little bit juiced, more juiced up like just ready to play and just dominate
1: um i mean typically i try not to look at any of the the stats like that you just look you know don't let the stats talk to you look at the film right Mm. and you know the film is going to show people running all over them so then it's okay what are they doing what are you know what's what is everyone doing that's working against this team what are the weak points and you want to focus on those things because yeah, and they're probably going to be rather glaring. And so, yeah, you're going to start getting excited over it. But you never want to go into a game saying we should beat these guys and run all over them because other people have done it. Mm. You, you want to go into the game saying we're going to crush these people because our game plan is just it's going to work. So we're going to execute the game plan and physically dominate them. You know, you, you know we're going to win because we're going to win not because of, you know, we're going to copy what other people have done.
0: Mm, love that. Love that. And now Baylor, we're averaging about 237 yards rushing per game. Are we Are we going to get over that number this weekend, do you think?
1: Oh, I mean, after I just said we don't look, look at stats, I would <laughs> love to see a 300-yard rushing performance. Yeah, yeah, me too. I would love to see both running backs get 100 yards. I would love to see Squirrel get, get some carries, and I I'm would like squirrel. Gary to get – the minimum number of rushing rushes
0: <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure. Hopefully zero this weekend and keep, keep our guys a little bit healthy going into uh to, Oh, you don't want to look too far, but, but uh, definitely want to be healthy going into that. OU you game. Um, give us, give it, you got a little game prediction for us. Um, what what do you think is going to happen?
1: A prediction against TCU. Uh, I expect it to be, uh, I expect a pretty large Baylor contingent to make it. I uh, I expect it to be a beautiful day for football, and I expect our offensive line to really move help move that line of scrimmage, and I think we are I think we're going to run for 200 more yards on them again. I think we're going to be pretty conservative, hit them with a deep play action pass, and I see a 10 point, 10, 10 point victory, you know, at minimum.
0: Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I think it's going to be at least a two possession win, uh, but hey, you never know. TCU, it, weird things always happen when Baylor versus uh, faces there, TCU. I feel like
1: whenever you have a, whenever you have a coaching change or something like that, you're always going to come out really hard that first week afterwards. Because from
0: TCU standpoint,
1: yeah, because yeah. the the whole mindset is you know we're not going to let this affect us. We're going to win for the guys next to us, all that stuff, you know, the guy who's the interim is probably uh, there's going to be a push on the team for they're like, Hey, that guy should be the full-time head coach. And we got to win for him type stuff. And it's really important for Baylor to just step on their throat now, squash all that out of them so they can lose out the rest of the season and be real sad. Uh, And, you know, I hope that's what happens. I uh, don't like TCU.
0: Yeah. Neither do I, neither do I for sure. Neither do I. Um, well, Hey, Billy, that's, that's all I got for you, man. I, you got anything else you want to, you want to share to Baylor fans out there before I let you go? Uh,
1: no, I mean, I'm just, I'm tickled to tickled to be a part of it. Uh, still I love fostering the relationships I have and trying to gain more with more Baylor fans. So, yeah. uh, having a blast tailgating, I'm over in the Brazos tailgating parking lot. If any of you guys ever want to come by, introduce yourself, uh, I'm all about it. I always have a ton of food, so more than welcome. If you want to plan it, just hit me up on Twitter or Instagram or uh, ask for my number. I'll text you, and we can coordinate. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm all about creating the best game day experience we can.
0: Well, hey, Blake, we, are, we sure are glad that you are still involved with the program. It's still there every game day. And, guys, if you are going to be – even if you don't have tickets to the game, Sounds like he's yeah. gonna have a full pig out there.
1: Yeah. Eat don't yourself have, out there. If, it, if I, you don't have tickets, you can come on. We'll <laughs> we'll watch the get. We'll cause we've got a rig with you know some TVs and stuff. So we just watch it in the tailgate. Uh so Good no deal. no need.
0: Good deal. Well, hey, like I said, if you are in Waco for the OU game, get to Blake's tailgate and eat yourself some pig. Blake, <laughs> we appreciate you being here,
1: man. Oh, thanks for having me, Travis. I always fun to Talk football, talk shop, and talk barbecue. Awesome, awesome. Well, sick and bears. Sick and bears.
0: All right, so I did go through a scout of the TCU football team, but I'm not going to go too much in depth because I don't want to be too long-winded here for you guys. We got a lot of good stuff there from Blake and we broke down TCU just a little bit but I am going to break them down a little bit further give you guys just kind of an overall look at this TCU team right now they're three and five sitting at one and four in the conference in second to last place did not see that coming didn't see it at all I actually picked TCU to finish third in the conference yes call me crazy that is what I thought was going to happen to start the year their lone conference win was against Texas Tech, fifty-two to thirty-one, and they were picked uh, by all the experts. I, experts uh, picked to finish fifth in the conference. Thought their defense would be good because, hey, guess what? Gary Patterson defenses are usually good. Most people thought their offense would take a step forward with Max Duggan, but it just it just has not. Offensively, averaging thirty-one points per game. Sixth in the Big 12 in that stat. But the last two games, guys, 12 points against Kansas State. And they were lucky to get 12 because I think in the fourth quarter, they they had like five points at some at some time. And then only 17 points against West Virginia. And that was at home. So they're fourth in total offense in the Big 12, which isn't terrible. Third in rushing offense. We'll get to their rushing offense later because they have a very dynamic running back. And then seventh in passing offense and quickly on their offensive line um given up 12 sacks this year which is fifth in the big 12 and lost two starters and I'll, and I'll touch on their dynamic players in the bare necessities offensively because there's really only two guys I want to talk about on their offense so on the defense this is where I'm shocked I, I just you don't see Gary Patterson defenses playing like this and they are not good and you know what I guess you can't call it a Gary Patterson defense anymore since he is no longer on the sidelines. But scoring defense, this is wild, guys. Scoring defense, eighth in the Big 12, allowing over 31 points per game. Total defense, ninth in the Big 12. Rushing defense, eighth. Passing defense, seventh. I mean, and, uh, and sacks, they're ninth in the Big 12. Only 11 sacks on the year. We've only given up six on the year. So I'd, I'll be shocked if they get one. Uh, this year. And and look, we also got 11 sacks uh, on a two-game stretch between West Virginia and BYU. And now the bare necessities. Let's get into these Bear Necessities against TCU. I mentioned I was going to talk about their two dynamic offensive players in these Bear Necessities, so here we go. Kind of similar to Texas here on Bear Necessities. The first one is Limit Zach Evans, their running back. He is a one-cut downhill runner, and honestly, he, he reminds me of his running style a lot of Abram Smith. Yeah, believe it or not. Only 92 carries on the year, which is not a lot, but he is averaging seven yards per rush. TCU, they've been very vocal about not giving him a lot of carries, which is good for us. We will see if that changes now that Patterson won't be on the sidelines. He is not as dynamic as Bijan, but definitely has the tools to beat us. Very important to limit him this weekend, which I feel good about doing. Secondly, it's contain Max Duggan, the quarterback this guy led them in rushing last year yeah led them in rushing and this year has the second most carries on the team it's somewhere in the 70 to 80 range last time i checked we all know the weakness of our defense, I think, to this point, has been mobile quarterbacks. We saw Thompson last week able to extend some plays at least in that first half. And Duggan is a big boy. 6'2", 214. He's pretty tough to bring down. He's not he's super agile. So he he's going to lower his shoulder at times. And we need to play contain. We need to make him throw if he's going to extend the play. Lastly, with our offense, just stay within ourselves, okay? This this TCU defense, it is not very good, okay? To be honest, it is not very good, especially their run defense. We just need to stay within ourselves, not try to do anything special. Let's not force anything. Let's pound that rock, and we may have a few guys go for over 100 yards, and hopefully we get a squirrel, squirrel sighting. game prediction yes what is your game prediction i will tell you right now guys we are going to run all over tcu this weekend and you know tcu they may have a little bit extra (laughs) motivation motivation they may have a little extra motivation because a it's a rivalry game and b Patterson not being on the sidelines it may give them some extra juice and just say hey we are playing for each other now plus weird things always happen when we play TCU we all know that but I am not too worried TCU they just they just don't have it this year for for whatever reason they've essentially been dominated the last two to three games and that continues this weekend the Bears win by multiple possessions. I've got 31-13, Bears. Big 12 round table here. I missed this segment a couple weeks ago, but I went two and two. That was our bye week. But last week, I went 3-2, and two, which brings me to 500 on the year at 13-13. and 13. I hit on BYU minus 2. <laughs> BYU. I hit on BU minus 2.5. I hit on OU minus 19. I hit on Kansas State minus 3.5. But where I was wrong, Iowa State minus 7.5. They lost straight up. To West Virginia which was a little bit of a surprise and guys why do I keep picking Kansas to cover the spread I don't know and I'm saying that now and I'm realizing that this week I am picking them again to cover the spread I don't know why I don't know why so let's start with that game this weekend like I said I'm picking Kansas at home against Kansas State plus 24 <sighs> Only because Kansas is playing at home. And I don't I still just don't have a lot of confidence in K-State yet. BU at TCU. B U minus six and a half. Give me that. I think we're gonna win by multiple possessions. Oklahoma State is visiting West Virginia, and I am taking Oklahoma State minus three points. I think if this was four points or more, I lean towards West Virginia. It I think it's gonna be a close game, but. I do think Oklahoma State wins by three or more points. Last game, UT at Iowa State. UT is in dangerous waters here. I think that they are going to drop a fourth straight game in Ames. Give me Iowa State minus six and a half points. Welp that is all we have for you today as always thank you for bearing with me and thank you to Blake Blackmar for joining us for bearing with us for breaking down some barbecue I'm hoping that Scotty is gonna find his way out there pick up some tips and tricks and look if you are going to be in town I know it's in two weeks for the OU game even if you don't have a ticket get yourself a to Blake's tailgate, sounds like he's gonna be roasting an entire pig. Yeah, that that's insane to me. If you are traveling to Fort Worth this weekend, be safe, be careful, cheer on those Baylor Bears, and maybe, maybe we'll even outnumber those Horn Frog fans this weekend. Looking forward to the matchup. As always, a rivalry with TCU. And we'll never forget 6158. Gotta mention that on my way out. Sick of Bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley, in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.